All right, guys, we're going to get started. Um, it is awesome to be here with you guys um, tonight uh, in this place. It's super cool that we get to come out here and be at this uh, Chino Wayside. Um, even, I don't know if you guys have been to the Kaupa House uh, recently and just seen all the construction. That's part of the reason why we're here right now. Um, there's a lot going on, super cool stuff. Um, summer is really a wonderful time uh, for uh, just growth, uh, and I get to do so many cool things in the summer, like uh, speaking in this capacity, um, learning new skills, uh, and going on fun adventures. Um, summer is just great for that kind of stuff. Uh, I really hope you guys are all doing great and uh, that your summers uh, or summer so far has been going good too um, and that you guys have managed to be productive and have been uh, just after this long, long school year that we just had. So anyways, uh, awesome. All right, so we're going to jump right in. Um, so for those of you who have uh, been out of the loop so far this summer, uh, we are talking about revival. Um, now, obviously, if every uh, week we preached on revival and the same thing, it would just be kind of redundant. So the spin we're taking on it uh, this summer is we are doing revival under and then insert biblical character. So revival under uh, Jacob, revival under Moses. Um, this week, I get the opportunity to introduce revival under Samuel. So Samuel is a household name if you grew up uh, going to church or have been walking with God for years and years. Uh, but his story might be a bit of a mystery uh, for those with uh, less familiar with the Bible, uh, especially compared to other big names like Moses and Jesus. I would like to go over his story a little bit tonight before we jump into the thick of it. So Samuel was born in a time when Israel was an established nation in Canaan. So they've already come up out of Egypt, have fought a bunch of the locals, uh, and claimed uh, their God-given territory. Um, Samuel was dedicated to serving God and lived with Eli, a priest, um, uh, when he was uh, young. Now Samuel was called to be a prophet and a judge. A judge is an unusual leadership position uh, role in the Old Testament, and judges were uh, specially appointed individuals who served as military leaders, they served as prophets, they served as priests, and ideally they would have been very close to God. Didn't always happen, but that was the ideal. So Samuel specifically ushered in a spiritual revival within Israel. Uh, appoint, he appointed kings and he lived a wholehearted life for the work of God. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. How can we live wholeheartedly for the Lord. Also, how can we live um, in such a way to be prepared for a revival that comes? Samuel lived a life that stands as a really great example of this. He knew the voice of God. He removed idols from uh, Israel and decided to go further in obedience even when the revival of his time had already passed. The idea of living wholeheartedly is nothing new, of course. We see it in Scripture. It's talked about in Scripture in different ways. It's, uh, it's really a big topic. And in Matthew uh, chapter 6, 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
you cannot serve both God and money. The reality is, is we cannot live in a way where our hearts are divided. So if we want God to effectively use us in revival, we need to be set apart and devoted to him. So tonight we will look at Samuel's life and hopefully glean some wisdom on how to do that. So revival is really uh, not something that we should expect without the guidance of the Lord, right? Uh, It's not a surprise when recognizing the voice of God is super important in order to hear him. I believe it's a dangerous thing when we think we know the voice of the Lord, but it is something entirely different that we're hearing. Samuel actually had to go through this process of learning God's voice from the voices of other people in his life that were surrounding him. So turning to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Samuel, in this uh, period of his life, is very young. He's being uh, raised by Eli in the temple. He's being taught the ways of a priest. And his relationship with the Lord is also just beginning to grow. So let's read these verses. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so they could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you my son. Lay down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie, Uh, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. What we see here in this situation is a young Samuel diligently uh, serving God. He's being taught by Eli, a priest, and being raised to become a servant of God as well. But he doesn't understand the voice of the Lord. In fact, he confuses God's voice with the voice of Eli. It takes Samuel three times before he finally um, understands with the help of Eli that it was actually God who was calling him in the night. You see, without this learning process, this figuring out uh, of who God's voice was amid the other voices of his life, Samuel might not have ever been able to recognize the voice that would lead him to do bigger and greater things for the kingdom of God. If Samuel had never recognized uh, God's voice, he might have never been able to lead Israel into a later revival. But here's the thing. Yeah, we really need to recognize God's voice in our life, whether that's him speaking directly to us, as in the case of Samuel, but also in the indirect ways that the Lord 
uh, uses so frequently. Perhaps the most obvious one is the Word of God, more commonly known as the Bible. Seriously, we cannot forget just how evident uh, the Bible is and as an outlet for God's voice and God's guidance. In addition to these other ways, we have, have to learn to discern the voice of God in those around us as well. Because God uses other people to speak to us. So how does he do that? And how can we be sure it is really him when he speaks through others? So wisdom and prophecy are two ways that this can be done. Wisdom, and I'm not just talking about like common sense um, and experience. Is that good? Much better. <laughs> but literally, uh, the wisdom as in one of the gifts of God. Uh, words of wisdom are counted in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 as a gift given to believers by the Spirit of God. Prophecy is another one, also listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and it can be used to offer guidance and, or clarity on an issue. But we have to realize that God's voice is not limited to audible words, but a plethora of different ways. And right now you might be asking the question of how. How can I know what God's voice sounds like? I think the easiest answer uh, to this is also extremely practical. Uh, get to know his character. Be around other believers. Talk to the Lord in prayer. Read your Bible a lot. Uh, really, these will help you to know his voice in an intimate way. The Lord never strays from his character, so you can always trust him. I want to impress on you again, if we do not recognize the voice of God, how can we live wholeheartedly for Christ? Uh, once we do recognize his voice, that's when we can follow in clear direction of his vision for us. So um, later on in Samuel's life, we uh, are begin to be alerted to a terrible problem within the Israelite people, um, the presence of idols. So if you've read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, you're probably very familiar um, with the presence of idols in Israelite culture. The Israelites spent 400 years under the harsh yoke of the Egyptians, um, where there are a ton of uh, foreign gods and idols and so many different things. Um, their influence over the Israelites was really big during that time. Uh, and when in Canaan, after they left Egypt, they were surrounded by a ton of different cultures and people groups who all had their own gods, their own idols, uh, and did not follow the Lord. And because the Israelites, being human, just like you and me, it was like inevitable that they would let their guard down, that they would, they could, would start to grow distant from God and allow the harmful things of their world to start to creep in. Uh, becomes a, it became this cycle that would be repeated over and over again, uh, honestly to a frustrating degree, uh, even as a reader. And Samuel had to deal with this as well. I'll try to keep this story short because there's a lot of moving parts. Um, this story comes from 1 Samuel in chapters 4 through 7. So it's four chapters. It's a lot of scripture. Um, I'm going to say you guys can read it on your own, uh, and I'll just give the synopsis here. Uh, that way we can move on. Uh, so basically, the Ark of the Covenant uh, was a symbol of godly power in Hebrew, Hebrew culture. It held the Ten Commandments, which were foundational to the relationship of the Israelites. Uh, it was foundational to their, in their relationship with God. Um, 
Well, the Philistines, they stole the ark after the Israelites brought it to war with them, hoping, uh, the Israelites hoping that it would actually, just the presence of the ark would grant them victory against the Philistines. Well, it didn't, and the ark spent months uh, with the Philistines just traveling around their territory. The Philistines actually returned the ark back to the Israelites after the Lord sent plagues wherever the ark went. And so every time the ark came to a new Philistine city, those people were uh, beset uh, by plagues. Um, and so the Philistines didn't want it anymore. They realized that the Lord was too powerful for them, didn't want to deal with it, sent it back. The Israelites in this saw the Lord's power at work and turned back to God. And that's awesome. All of that is awesome. But Samuel knew that this revival in the uh, uh, people of Israel wouldn't last unless they got rid of the, their own idols in their life that they had in their homes, that they were worshiping in their homes. In First uh, Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 to 4, it says, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. You see, when we plant idols in our lives, it removes at least a portion of our attention and devotion from God. Our hearts become split. Uh, God is not somebody who wants half-devoted people. Uh, he wants every part of us. And Samuel knew this uh, because he knew the heart of God, and he knew the voice of God. We need to be able to recognize God's voice when he tells us to remove the idols of our lives. Now, the idols in our own lives uh, today might look a lot uh, different uh, from the idols that the people back in Israel's day were dealing with. Uh, foreign gods and Ashtaroths are probably not the kind of idols that we uh, find in our own homes necessarily, um, that we struggle with every single day. Uh, but Netflix could be. Hitting the gym could also be. Maybe you struggle with insecurity or slothfulness or jealousy, and those have become bigger gods in your life than Christ has been. You see, you, we probably don't put a golden statue in our rooms and then offer it sacrifices and give it offerings. But when we start to give our fears and our hobbies and pleasures more thought and authority in our lives than Christ, we've, we are removing ourselves from him and we are starting to split our heart to other things. We've removed ourselves from the mission and the work, and God needs us to be devoted to him if we are to be used in a mighty way. I can only imagine what would happen if revival comes and we've neglected to, have to, and we've neglected to wholeheartedly set ourselves apart to him. And he fully set ourselves apart. So let me ask you, do you have idols in your life right now that put a wedge between you and God? Now, I don't want to uh, just stand up here and talk and say these things as if I haven't gone through similar experiences because I have. Some of you know uh, that I really love to write uh, novels and short stories and poetry and all those things. They uh, really do hold like a special place uh, in my life, uh, close to my heart. 
Uh, but the truth is, is that they have also served to be a lever to distance me from God. So when I was still in college, uh, it was, I believe it was my junior year, um, I was at a breakaway retreat. Um, it was the year that uh, Matt Carpenter uh, spoke, who is a Chi Alpha director uh, down south. I'm pretty sure he's uh, in Arkansas, but somewhere in that area. That all kind of blurs for me. I don't know. Uh, and during the second night service, Matt asked us to take uh, whatever is keeping us from God and lay it down at the Lord's feet. Uh, so in that moment, uh, the Spirit told me to lay down writing at the altar, to give it up to the Lord, to let the Lord do with it as he pleased. Uh, so now, guys, this literally brought me to tears. I was surrounded by 300-plus people, and I started to weep. Uh, it's not really the manliest thing that I've ever done, but, you know, stuff happens. So uh, the thing was is that I felt like God was trying to rip away a significant piece of my identity, and that's because he was trying to. Like, I firmly believe that he was really trying to. You see, I had elevated uh, writing to the point of where it had become a pivotal part of who I was. Uh, if I were to, at the time, like, describe myself, I would have called myself a writer before I would have called myself a Christian. And there's just something really backwards about that. Um, and God knew it. So even though it was really painful, I released my love of writing to God so that he could put it where it needed to be, which was beneath him, something I could use to glorify him and not something that would draw my heart away from Christ and make me focus on my own pride in my own life. He needed to do this so that my identity would stand in him alone. Even to this day, this story still reminds me that I am not a writer who happens to be Christian, um, but I'm a son of God who also just likes to write, and I can use that to bring him glory. Uh, so yeah, we really need, need to recognize the idols in our own lives and then release them to the Lord. Um, before I can move on from this, I just want to do like a final disclaimer um, that if the idol that is in our life is just like straight up sin, it just has to go. Like, that's kind of like, line has been drawn. Um, writing is one of those things that can be redeemed. Sin is something that will just constantly pull us away from God. So we can't live in sin and try and give glory to God through that. Um, so that's a little bit of a disclaimer there. Um, so Samuel's journey with the Lord didn't end with a revival of Israel. So at this point, uh, Israel, they see the ark has gone around and the power of the Lord is used through it. Uh, get rid of their, uh, their foreign gods and their idols. Um, God... Uh, used Samuel greatly uh, after this revival, and he became a really pivotal character in the entire biblical narrative. Uh, he anointed the first two kings of Israel. Um, he also was a prophet of God all the way up until his death. So when revival in our own time comes, we need to remember Samuel. He didn't stop with one great work of God, but was committed to go further in total obedience and devotion, wholehearted living. We also need to go further into the mission of God. If Paul and Crystal and Lindsay and Kevin and all the other um, wonderful people that came up here seven years ago to start Chi Alpha had come up, spent the first year here, and then just kind of pieced out, said, see you later, guys, it was fun, 
Like that, that would have been terrible, right? Like that would have sucked. Uh, God really used them. And I'm so thankful that um, they just committed to saying yes and took those further steps to build this community. So Samuel's life is a great example of someone who was set apart and was used to bring about revival. The sad thing is that Israel wouldn't stop falling for the idols in their lives. They would forget the voice of God again and again, and very few of them would go further into obedience. The revival that Samuel ushered in lasted for a time. But when Samuel's sons began to judge Israel, there was a bit of a spiritual shift in the wrong direction. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 7 says, When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they, have, and in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. As the sons of Samuel took up this mantle of leadership, the sin in their lives actually led the people of Israel astray. They began to demand a king to rule over them uh, instead of these judges that God was appointing. And this became a fatal error that led to centuries and centuries of pain and loss amongst the Israelite people. When we forget the voice of God, don't remove the idols in our lives and refuse to go further with him, we cannot be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Remember the words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters. God needs people that are devoted to him if he will usher in a revival. So who will be the shepherds if no one is capable? Are you going to set yourself apart from this world and live wholeheartedly for God? I guarantee you that God will strengthen you on this journey. Learn to recognize his voice, and then you will be able to spot these idols in your own life and begin to remove them. Drawing you closer to a life lived wholeheartedly for Jesus. And then keep on going. Like, don't slow down. Always move toward him in obedient steps, because God will use you if you live fully devoted to him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you so much for your grace and your kindness. I just pray that um, we would learn to know your voice, that we would be able to know your character uh, so that we can trust your voice every time we hear it, Lord. I also uh, just pray that we would um, live with a conviction, Lord, uh, that when we have something in our life that is an idol, that is keeping us from drawing closer to you, that we are putting above you, Lord. Um, God, I pray that we would 
seek to remove that, to uh, dismantle that, um, to uh, live in a way where you are uh, just the Lord of our lives, God. That we would be fully and wholeheartedly devoted to you, Jesus. And then help us to keep going, Lord. Help us to keep going, uh, taking that next step of obedience um, and not, yeah, not just settling for, you know, the one big step of faith, but even all the little stuff, every little thing, Lord. Help us to do this all for your glory, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.